that what, what I'm called to? Is this what I want to be doing uh, for the rest of my life? So, again, like a good millennial, what do you do whenever you don't like your job? You start a side hustle, right? So I started a side hustle. So now that I have experience doing uh, marketing and digital advertising, um, then that's what I took some online courses to try to figure out, maybe that's what I can do to set myself up um, for my career. That way I can be just locationally independent. I can work wherever I want, right? It sounds amazing. I'll get this like passive income stream. I'll be a, be a millionaire by 30. It's going to be amazing, right? So I set all these plans for it to happen. So I actually do. I start while I'm still working for a church. Um, I start my own business as I'm trying to get these digital marketing clients, right? And I think this is going to be amazing. And then what happens? <sighs> Doesn't work. I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not defeated. Um, so I have a film degree, right? So now let me use my film degree to try to get some video clients and I'll just build this video business and <sighs> nothing happens. Okay, now I'm getting, getting a little more frustrated at this point, um, but I'm thinking, wait, okay, let me try this one more time. So I um, learn about this idea of setting up like an online retail store and then like getting things shipped from China uh, through my online retail store and then passing them along. So I did that. And here's what happened. I only sold one thing. It was a pair of cat socks to a lady in Indiana. She had a straight gray hair, long denim dress, a wrist cast, was missing tooth number two, four, and five. Actually, I have no idea what she looked like. That's just what I imagine people that were by cat socks. That's what they look like. So I set, I set all this plan, right? I set these plans and all this work and all this effort. And I'm frustrated. Because my plan isn't working. I set all these plans in motion. I set these things that I wanted to work out. And I'm frustrated because I'm not getting what I want, right? It wasn't like a lack of effort. Like I tried and I tried. Um, you know, we tried and it didn't work out. And I'm frustrated about it. But my, my suspicion is that that's not just me. A lot of us, we have these plans, right? And maybe, maybe similar to me, like your plan is in your career. To where like you try and you try and you try and things are not working out the way that you want it to. And it's frustrating. And it's not, a, it's not out of a lack of effort or skill or ambition. It's just frustrating. Or for, for some of us, it, it's relationships, right? Where things just don't work out the way that you do. Maybe he's not, don't elbow anybody. Maybe he's not proposing yet, right? Or maybe uh, she doesn't like you as much as you like her. And it's frustrating, right? And you set these plans. And it's frustrating because things are not working out the way that you thought they would. And you're not getting what you want, right? So here's this, this idea that we have to think through is there's this expectation that we have. And what we realize is reality oftentimes doesn't meet expectations, right? So we, we have this expectation, this, this plan, like, hey, this is what I expect. I'm going to organize my entire life around this thing. And then reality doesn't meet expectation, and it's frustrating, right? So this is, I think this is on the screen here, is that when reality doesn't meet expectations, it often ends in disappointment, which leads to frustration, right? When, when reality uh, doesn't meet, reality not meeting expectations often leads to disappointment, which often leads to frustration. Have you guys tried adulting yet? That's a lot different than you thought it was going to be, right? Like, it just you, as a kid, you're thinking like, man, if I just, as soon as I become an adult and I go to college, I'll have all this money, ha, and then I'll have all this time, 
No, no, things are just very different than you thought, right? And you're picking up like extra shifts just so you don't get evicted. Like that's, that's adulting. So why, why don't our plans always work out? Why can't we just get what we want? And here's the most frustrating part. It's for a lot of us, we believe in God. And we know that God is all powerful. We know that God can do anything that he wants. And we're wondering, God, why aren't you allowing my plan to happen I've been faithful. I've been in church. I read my Bible a lot. I pray a lot. What's going on here? Right? And we're so frustrated with God because he's not blessing our plan. Right? We like, we want to write the script. We're like, all right, God, um, this, and then this happened. Then I'll meet him. Then I'll meet her. And then I'll do this job. Then I'll have this family. Then I'll have his house. I'll make this income. All right, God, come on. Let's go. I'm ready to receive your blessing. Lavish me. And it doesn't happen. So, so what, do, what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Right? So there's, there's an old but incredibly relevant story that we're going to look at today, where we're going to look at a guy and like, his people around him that had these plans. And so let's see, let's see what happens uh, with these plans um, that he had. So uh, last week, we kicked off this series called Storyline, right? And, and here's the idea of Storyline. It's where the story of God meets the story of you. So as we learned last week, God has this amazing story that he, that he created the universe and the universe, he is sustaining the universe and this story continues, right? And in this story, we have a pleasure of being a part of what God is doing here in this world uh, with the story that he is creating. So with this series, uh, we're going to look at these characters that are help, uh, helpful in sharing this overarching story of God's story in the whole world. And as we notice these characters, we're going to notice we actually see a lot of parallels between these characters that we're going to look at and our own lives. So we kicked off last week um, with the first three pages of the Bible uh, with Adam and Eve, right? And God created them good, and it was great until it wasn't great anymore because they ate the fruit. Because all Adam and Eve wanted was to be known and to be loved, right? which is exactly how God orchestrated things. The problem, though, is that Adam and Eve defined good and evil on their own behalf, and they tried to manufacture this false sense of being known and being loved. And when that happened, it ushered sin into the world that then continued to this day. So uh, one one of the things that we looked at last week is being the supporting character in God's story is infinitely better than being the hero of my story. Being the supporting character of God's story is infinitely better than being the hero of my story, right? So what is God's story? Well, unfortunately, things after that um, continue spiraling downward, and it, gets, it doesn't get any better, right? So we, we, we turn the page. Now we're on page four. And on page four, uh, we meet this guy named Cain who murders his brother Abel. Not good. So then we keep reading further down the page, and then we meet another guy named Lamech who also murders people. He brags about it, and then he introduces um, uh, male chauvinism and sexism, right, and gender inequality as he starts just like marrying a bunch of wives and introduces polygamy to this world. It's not good. Things are not looking better. Uh, So continue spiraling downwards. So what does God do? God calls out a guy named Noah. And he says, Noah, I'm going to make you righteous. I'm going to call out your family. And you're going to get on a big boat because I'm going to flood the world. Because I need to start. I'm going to start over, right? So he did. So the world is flooded. Noah and his family are saved. And we're thinking, okay, maybe there's hope with Noah. Maybe things can be better with Noah. And things are not better. 
Because what happens is as soon as they hit landfall, Noah passes out naked, drunk, in his tent. That's not good. So, so then we keep reading, and then as we get to like page 10, chapter 10, then we basically read generation after generation. It reads like a Hebrew phone book where, where things just don't get better. Things keep just continue spiraling downward until the story that we're going to look at today is we're introduced to a guy named Nimrod who was a Nimrod. All right, so we read in Genesis 10, uh, Verse, verses 8, Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. And then we get to verse 10. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and then some names, in the land of Shinar. Right? So Nimrod was the leader of this kingdom of Babel. And as we're, as we're going to read here in a second, we're going to see that Nimrod and his kingdom, uh, they had plans. They had, they had a lot of plans. So let's see what their plans were. All right, so we, then we look um, in our main story in Genesis chapter 11, uh, in verse 1. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your apps, it's also in your handout. It'll be on the screens, or maybe you're like varsity and have it memorized. That's cool. Um, Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. All right, so basically the whole earth was united with one common language. People could come together to accomplish things. Right, because they had there was no language divide, there was no cultural divide. Everyone was kind of doing the same thing, uh, worshiping the same way. They were doing the same activities. There was they had there was one language. And in verse two, and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, "Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly." And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. All right, so this people group led by Nimrod, kind of founded Babel to where they go to the land of Shinar and they said, hey, we're going to camp out here and we're going to build a city, right? And these people are smart. They're resourced. They're skilled. They're ambitious, right? These are very high-quality people. And they say, hey, with the resources that we have, we're going to make bricks. And they do, and they're really good at it to the point where they not only make a few bricks or a wall, they can make an entire city, with these bricks, right? Um, so, th- so it continues. And motivated, yeah, motivated by their brick making, they move on to bigger things. In verse 4, they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city. Now, we're going to pause for a second. Is them building a city bad? No. A, no. They are for the city. Actually, I think that here at the table, we are for the city. It wasn't the building of the city um, that was bad. Right? That's actually a cool thing. They're using the resources that they have, they're using their skills and their ambition to build a city. Like, we, we are for the city. We love the city of Orlando. I, I went to, uh, I got to go to Texas over the weekend and had a really fun time. I uh, went to a wedding, and then uh, I flew back really late on Sunday night and got on a plane and landed in the terminal MCO, and then, you're, and then you walk and you get your bag, and then you walk and then you get on the monorail, and you guys know what happens on the monorail if you've flown in. This is Orlando Mayor Buddy Dyer, right? If you're a native of Central Florida, I want you to welcome you home, right? And I, love, I don't know why, it's just so cool. And then he talks about like our uh, not only being known for like theme parks and attractions, because that's only half of it. The other half is we're known for like our emerging medical technology, right? And our sports teams and our arts community. Uh, so it just reminds me of Orlando's an awesome city. 
I love Orlando. Like, Dallas was cool. I lived there for a while. But I love Orlando. This is such a cool city, right? So how cool is it um, just to be able to use the skills and the resources to build the city? All right, so, like, a lot of times our plans, our plans aren't necessarily bad, right? The, the, the ba- people in Babel building the city, it wasn't necessarily bad, right? It's not like, and for you, the plans that you have for your life aren't necessarily bad. It's not like you're waking up thinking, <clears throat> what can I do today? I know, I'm going to do a lot of drugs, have a lot of sex, and kick little kids. That's what I'm going to do today, <laughs> right? You're not, yeah, you're not, you're not doing that. You're not doing that, right? And in the same way, like, the career path that you have is not bad, right, necessarily. Uh, the, the, the relationships that you're spying after is not bad, necessarily, right? Like, where you want to live is not bad, um, necessarily, right? So the plans that you have are not necessarily bad. And then it, it continues. Uh, so let's, then they said, come, let us build a city and a tower with its tops in the heavens, right? So what is that? The people from Babel, they're using their resources to create something significant, right? So in, in cities, a lot of times there's a skyline, right? So he, here in Orlando, um, probably the most not- one of the most notable, noticeable things about our city is uh, the wheel at Icon Park, right? Most notably uh, or, or formerly known as the Orlando Eye, which is very iconic for a city because that's Orlando. It's a big part of our city is hospitality and entertainment, Right? And, um, you know, a lot of us are friends and fans of Disney. Like, what's the most iconic thing about Disney? The thing that reaches to the heavens magically, right? The, the castle. It's even like it's on the logo, right? So, doing something significant is not necessarily bad, right? And this thing that's significant often is the thing that kind of defines uh, what the city or what the thing is about, right? So, by doing something significant with our lives, it's not necessarily bad. Right? By making plans is not necessarily bad. Here's where things turn, though. We keep reading in the verse. Things take a massive turn in the second part of the verse. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And here is we encounter two problems. And it's the same two problems that Adam and Eve have. It's the same two problems that a lot of us have. It's the same two problems that have been the entire history of the world up to this point, where we introduce ourselves to two problems. Problem number one, they said, let us make a name for ourselves. So again, building the tower wasn't bad, but their motivation behind why they wanted to build the tower was really bad. Because here is why they wanted to build a tower. It wasn't just for a cool structure in the city. It was to make a name for themselves to give themselves glory, to not give anything to God, but to receive all the glory and all the significance on themselves. And that was bad, right? They didn't want God's name to be great. They wanted their name to be great. Like I'm reminded of the, uh, the office Michael Scott quote where he says, would you rather be feared or loved? And he responds, I want people to fear how much they love me. <laughs> right? So that, that's a lot of us, right? We just want this recognition. So maybe, maybe the, the, this arrogance um, that we have, uh, maybe it's not, um, it's, it's not like we're not going to go out and like build a tower with our name on it, right? Like a la Tony Stark style in uh, Avengers 1, right? Maybe, maybe we're not doing that, right? But, but maybe it's a little more subtle, but it, it's still the same thing, 
right? So a lot of us, there's this term in psychology called the spotlight effect to where you feel like there's just like a spotlight on you and everybody notices you all the time. And so either you kind of shy away from that or you really lean into it and you know, oh, people are noticing me all the time. Okay, like let me see what I can do with this, right? So for, for maybe for some of us, like we, we feel like we always want to do the right thing. So as this spotlight is being shown on us, we think, man, what if I can get people to see me doing the right thing? Wouldn't that be cool? Or for maybe for some of us, we, we feel like we just want to see, uh, uh, we want other people to see us being really servant-hearted. And that's how we want to make a name for ourselves, is being known as the best servant. Maybe for some of us, we just want to be known for being like really well accomplished and successful and really well connected. Um, so the way that we kind of are, we lean into our arrogance is we'll just like name drop. Or you know what I did? You know what cool thing I did? You know who I know? Right? You know, like, and you, it's like really sly and sneaky about it, like, but it's still there. For some of us, we just want to be really unique, right? For some of us, we just want to be known as being super smart and knowledgeable. Some of us, we want to be a really good friend. For some of us, we just want to be known for being the life of the party, for being fun, right? For some of us, we want to be known for being strong and just like where we're, we're not weak. And for some of us, we want to be known for being gentle, right? And for those of you that know the Enneagram, you know what I was doing. That's, but that's how, that's how we're gonna, we want to be known, right? We, 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 see, we lean into this arrogance, and we want people to see us just making a name for ourselves, and that's how the enemy is going to take us out, is whatever our primary motivation is, is going to use that to distort it. So we're not making great the name of God. We're making name the great of ourselves. Friends, look, this is my biggest fear for me. Personally, this is my number one thing. Like, if the enemy is going to take me out, this is how he's going to do it. He's going to say, Isaac, you think you're great? You are. Keep doing it. Make people know how awesome you are. Right? And this is even worse is that I'm in ministry. So part of the way the enemy uh, tries to hit me is like, hey, use ministry as a way to make people think that you're awesome. Right? If the table's a cool thing. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, make the table as good as you can and put your identity in it. There you go. How's that? Right? For some of us, we do that in our relationships. For some of us, we do that in our jobs. Right? This is how the enemy is going to take us out, is by fueling us with arrogance and where the spotlight is on us to make us think that everybody's looking at us. Friends, you don't have to do anything to be known and to be loved by God. You don't have to make much of yourself to be known and to be loved by God. God already, wants to, God already knows you. God already loves you. God, you're already completely filled to where God is already calls you sons. God already calls you daughters. You don't have to do anything to earn it. God already calls you, and God has already placed you as part of his kingdom in his family. Like, spoiler, we know how the story ends. We win. And we win where we get to spend eternity with him. The story ends really well for those of us that are in Christ. We don't have to try to earn it. We don't have to try to make ourselves really known. We don't have to build a tower to the heavens, right? God has already placed us on high because we're with him, not because of anything that we are, but because who he is. The second way um, that, that the, what the Babel struggled with, and the entire book has been, has been building up to this verse, Right? So from, from the beginning of, beginning of chapter 1 all the way until this verse right here, this is where, this is where it culminates. Right? He says, they say, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. This is exactly the opposite of what God has been saying to them the entire time. Where he says, go, go, spread my glory. Go, fill the earth. Go, build businesses. Go, cultivate. And they say, no, we don't want to go. We don't know what it's going to be like out there. We're going to stay. 
right? And this stems from insecurity. It's a lot more secure just to stay in a place that's comfortable, to stay in a place that's known, to stay in a place where you know for a fact that you can provide for yourself so you don't have to rely on God or others to provide for you. It's way easier just to put yourself in a position where you can just provide for yourself. And in that, it still comes from pride because you think that you are able to provide for yourself. Right? So this, this insecurity just stems and is rampant. So that's why they build the city. It's not because they were for the city. They had a distorted motivation so they wouldn't have to go out to spread the gospel, to go out and to spread God's glory all over the earth. They wanted to come and stay to be secure. So it's, it's rooted primarily out of insecurity, right? It's the anti-mission, right? So they just want to, like, build their four walls and then just forget it, right? And here at, here at the table... That is completely anti our culture because it is the most inhospitable thing that they could have done, right? It's, we're, we, here, like, we like what's going on here. We can get really comfortable, but the air is going to be being so comfortable that we get so comfortable and secure with who we know that we shut off, we shut off the doors to other people coming in. We're like, no, 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 I like this people. I don't want more people coming in. I don't want to make room on the couch. I don't want to get to know other people. I don't know what those people are like. I like this culture. I like this thing. I like, uh, I like what we're doing. I don't, I, I, that just makes me really uncomfortable as we start doing um, other things. But the coolest thing is why I'm so encouraged here at the table, right? It's because we're not like that. Like, look, you know, not awkwardly, but look all over the room. There are people that are, that are really high economically and really low economically. There are people with all different skin colors. There's a lot of different languages here in this room. Like, I was having conversations earlier with some people. Like, the table is Orlando, right? It's incredible. The table is Orlando. It's, it's amazing, right? But... We may feel tempted, though, to get comfortable, to shut off our walls and not be hospitable and be anti-missional to continuing to go and to reach and instead stay and gather because it's comfortable. We don't want to scatter, right? We want to gather, right? So, so then there's a bit of, a, there's a bit of a sarcasm in the Bible. We get to verse 5 where he says, and then after these Babylonians, uh, they built this big tower, they built this big city, and like, aha, we are so great. Look at all that we did. So then what does it say? That the Lord had to come down to see, aw, look at you guys. Isn't that cute? Aw, look, you tried so hard. You got like this high. That's, that's really cute, right? So th- they think they did something so impressive, something so lavish, something so like, look at me, I'm amazing, we're an amazing people, and Nimrod's like, I'm an amazing leader, and God's like, aw, that's cute, aw, look at you, Nimrod, you tried, you tried, right? So there's a bit of humor, and that's what a lot of times we think so much of ourselves, and God's like, look, you're cute, you're not all that, right? You're not all that. So in verse 6, it says, And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose will now be impossible for them. Right? He's basically saying, look, people, when they get together, there's a lot of things that can be done, including very devastatingly bad things. Right? So I'm going to protect people, so I'm going to scatter them, and I'm going to confuse um, their language. Right? And then he says down in verse 7, let us come down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the people of Babel had one plan, and God responds with another plan. Right? So he, here's the big idea. Here's the big idea. In love, God will mess up our plans to save us from ourselves. 
in love, God will mess up our plans to save us from ourselves. All right, so for the Babylonians, they wanted to be evil. They wanted nothing to do with God. And what did God do? He saved them from themselves. That wasn't part of their plan, but he did it. Why? Because he loves them. Because he loves them so much, he did not allow their plans for evil, their distorted motivation, to prevail. So he scatters them, right? So like for us, uh, God will mess up our plans because we, not, we may not be aware of that we may have some distorted motivations going on as we try to make plans, right? So I'm going to read, I have this quote, I think it's on the screen here, that says, it's from uh, John Bloom, who's an author of Desiring God website. He says this, we often aren't aware of how deep pervasive, and motivating our pride is. We often are blind to how much we cherish the glory of our name, but God knows. And in love, he confounds us, impedes us, and humbles us. And it is all love, right? So because God loves us, he saves us from ourselves. A lot of times we're not even aware of this distorted motivation that's going on. So God sees all, knows all, God knows our heart, and because he loves us, he doesn't always give us what we want, and that's loving, and that's a good thing, right? So because left to our own devices, like if we could plan, we could just make things happen, and we have no need for God, right? If we're able just to do great things, man, that just increases our pride, and then we think we have no need for God, right? Or maybe if we can set up our own provision, then we think that we have no need for God, right? So God sets us up. God messes up our plans uh, to remind us that we need him. God just says, let us go, all, go off and provide for ourselves. God humbles us to remind us that we need him, right? It says this in James, in James chapter 4. It says, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So it's possible that you're frustrated with God is because he's humbled you, because he's messing up your plans. But he's humbling you because he loves you. God humbles you because he loves you, right? So the, the relationships, if it's not going the way we want it to, the career, the plan's not going the way we want it to. Even, even like coming to Orlando, Orlando is not going the way that you thought it would. Things are just very different. The plan that you had didn't work out the way that you thought it would. It's possible. It's because God loves you and he's saving you from yourself, right? So how do we, how do we respond to this? How do we respond Like we have dreams, we have ambitions, right? We have plans, and they don't work out. How do we respond, right? Or we, we get frustrated when things don't go our way. How do we respond, right? Or whenever we don't get what we want, when things don't work out the way that we want it to, how do we respond? How do we respond when our plans don't go the way that we thought they would? It's this. This is how we respond. Check your frustration when your plans get messed up. When your plans get messed up, and reality does not, not meet expectations, check your motivations, right? It's possible that in this frustration that we feel that our motivation is getting revealed, right? This frustration that we feel our motivation is getting revealed. I didn't, really did not try to rhyme that. It just turned out that way. But as our, ours, our frustration is just, it's, it's getting, it's, we see it and we notice it. Check, check your motivations, right? Because God may be saving you from yourself. Here, here's the thing, too. We want to hold our plans with loose hands. Hold our plans with loose hands, 
right? I'm, I'm hoping that as, as you're hearing it, as we've been now talking for a while, you don't think, oh, well, if God's going to mess up all of my plans, I'm just not going to plan. That's not good. No, actually, the opposite, right? I don't think just like sitting passive and not doing anything is helpful either. It's good to make a plan. It's good to have, have, have goals. It's good to uh, structure your life, right? It's good to, to be stable in life, and that comes with a plan. But here's what we do when we plan. We have to hold it with loose hands, and we pray, and we ask God, and we check with our community, right? For those of us that are in the life group, how cool of it would be a thing as you're planning and as you're trying to, to structure your life is to hold it with loose hands, and you take that to community, and you ask them, hey, this is what I plan to do. This is what I'm thinking. This is kind of what I want. Um, what do you guys see? Do you see any distorted motivation in that? Am I trying to make much of myself in this situation? Um, am I feeling like I'm insecure that I need to provide for myself and I'm not trusting God to provide for me? Plan and hold it with loose hands and pray about it and ask God to see if he might reveal if there's any distorted motivation going on. Because to save you from yourself, because God loves you. God loves you. All right, so we want to so <clears throat> hold our plans in loose hands. Because here's the thing, is that we plan our expectations, but God plans our reality. We plan our expectations, but God plans our reality. Right? So we make plans and we try to do these things, right? But God is going to plan our reality. And maybe you've heard that, but maybe you've heard it out of Proverbs. Because in Proverbs 69, it says this, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. So that, what that means is we can plan. The heart of man, we're going to plan our ways, but we know that we're not stepping unless God establishes it, right? So we can make plans. That's a good thing. And we pray for the Lord to establish our steps as, as we make plans, that lest we be tempted with any, um, any prideful or any, um, uh, any prideful or any arrogant or any insecure motivations um, going on in our life. So friends, like what, what does that look like? What would that look like in your life? What would that look like if you held your plans with, with loose hands? Right? What if when things didn't go your way, if you didn't get really frustrated about it? Or if you did, you were able to look deep within yourself, peel back some layers, and figure out, hey, what, what's going on here? Why am I so upset about this? Because things aren't going my way. Right? That thing that you so desperately want, what happens if it doesn't happen? How will you respond? Will you be okay with it? Are you really frustrated? Right? What would it look like in your life if you can just walk confidently knowing that I'm, just, I'm making plans, but man, God, God may change it, and it's okay. Because I know that whenever there's a closed door, God just saved me from something, which is a good thing, right? So we should be thankful for closed doors in our life. Because that means that God is saving us from something that we don't even know what's about to happen, right? God is provident over the entire universe, he knows everything. He sees everything. He knows what's going to happen. And in his love, he's going to save us from making some, uh, making some bad decisions, from some false uh, motivations that we have in our life. So what would that look like if we did that? And here's the thing, too. What would it look like if, in love, you were able to have honest conversations with people in your life who you saw some distorted motivations that maybe they didn't even see? But you take them out for coffee, 
right? You say, hey, can we talk about this? And you know it's going to be a little awkward. You know it's this thing they dream about, this thing they've always wanted their entire life. But, man, you just feel, you just feel like, hey, I just don't know if this is best for you. I don't know if this is going to be a good thing for you right now. I don't know if you're in a season to where you'll be able to handle this. I think that if this thing that you want actually happened, it's actually going to be a really bad thing because you'll just get really prideful and arrogant and think that you just did it all on your own. Right? What would that look like if we did that and just had some really amazing and honest conversations over some delicious coffee? Right? What, would that, what would that look like? All right, so this is, uh, this is me. So I talked a little bit about, and we're, we're wrapping up here. Um, I never planned to live in Florida. Right? So it's kind of funny. Actually, my first time to come to visit. So I'm still, I'm at that, um, I'm still at that church, my previous church, and um, never planned to move to Florida. Uh, and then I actually, so Doug invited me to come visit. And as I'm coming to visit, Doug's a really good recruiter. Uh, so he takes me to Disney, right? Because that's what you do when people come to Florida and you're trying to get them to live here. Um, so, so I visit Disney, and I remember there were some people on the staff that I was hanging out with. And I remember uh, one staff member, um, she asks me, hey, so are you, you, like, you're moving to Orlando? And I'm thinking, I would never live in Orlando. I don't know why anybody lives in Orlando. Oh, gross. Like, I'm not leaving Texas. So months happen, and this, like, online entrepreneurship, like, is not working. God completely wrecked my plan. And what happened? In that, as my plan did not work out, it's amazing because God revealed this way better life that I didn't even see at the time, right? Never in my life did I think I would ever live in Florida. And that's your story. You never thought you would live in Florida either, right? A lot of us. Some of us grew up here, right? And some of us are here. But, man, whatever our story is, man, can we be thankful that God has orchestrated our story and closed some doors in our life to put us in a place to where he just wants to grow us. He just wants us to cherish him. He wants us to love him. He wants us to trust him. He's, he's shutting doors against our pride. He's shutting doors against our insecurity. Man, I'm so thankful that I'm here in this life that I didn't even know was possible just got revealed right? As God shut doors down of the, the business side and kind of re-softened my heart um, to ministry. And I realized, that, I realized that the reason that I got burned out working for a church is because I wasn't actually doing ministry. I was just working for a church. So as I started meeting with people face-to-face, as I actually started doing ministry, meeting people for coffees, meeting people one-on-one, helping people follow Jesus, my heart way softened. So now the idea of being, to do, being able to do full-time ministry here in Florida now looked way more appealing. And now that I'm here, I've been here for a little over a year now, it's been amazing. I've met some amazing—you guys are awesome. Do you know that? Like, just like hanging out with you guys, it's been so cool. Like, I love what we're doing here. I love First Orlando. I love the leadership here. I love the table. I love Doug. I love the staff team. I love the people that are in life groups. I love people that are serving here at the table. I am so, having an annual pass isn't bad either. I'll just say that. It's so amazing. I really enjoy, I really enjoy my life. I, going, being back in Texas, it was cool to be able to reflect on my season in Texas, and I'm very grateful for my time there. But it also really encouraged me, like, man, my life in Orlando is really cool. Like, I really enjoy it. And it's because God shut a lot of doors, because God saved me from myself, because God wanted something so much better for me here in Florida. So I'm so grateful for my time. So I don't know what your story is. I don't know what a lot of our stories are, right? But my prayer for all of us is that we will just receive closed doors. We will receive, we will receive um, unmet expectations with gladness and with joy, knowing that God wants something so much better for us that guard against our pride and our selfishness. So let's pray.